angry because they just can't have that happen. Mm-hmm. Our own just isn't going to be allowed to fail in that way. Um, it would expose kind of a very rickety banking system. You know, cascading write-offs would be a nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. But I also think it, it, it highlights another misperception in Chinese finance with an implied guarantees. It turns out they're not so guaranteed. And like maybe keep wells or VIE structures, which also aren't as secure as investors think, um, I think markets have to come to a new realization about heretofore um, ignored Chinese risks. You know, China's ongoing appeal is undiminished, but along with kind of rogue waves of regulatory risk hitting China tech, this may start to be a time of real soul searching for China investors. Okay, well, we'll definitely keep our eye on that. Thank you very much, Brock, for all that updates. That's Brock Silvers, who's Chief Investment Officer at Kyan Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take another look at how the markets are performing uh, this morning across Asia. Uh, The SX200 in Australia is up about a third of a percent, but stocks in Japan are down. The Nikkei 225 off about half a percent at the moment. Uh, Looks like the Hang Seng is going to open more or less flat in just under an hour's time. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil down about half a percent this morning at $66.45 a barrel. Gold is up about $3 at $1,780 an ounce. Stay tuned to Radio 3. Back chat coming up in just a moment with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse. The weather, sunny and divorce with a maximum temperature of around 24 degrees. Mainly fine in the middle and latter parts of this week. Uh, There is a strong monsoon signal in force this morning and it's 22 degrees, 66% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Official data shows just over half of the adult population of the United States has now received at least one dose of the coronavirus vaccine, or about 130 million people. The Centers for Disease Control says almost a third of adults have also been fully vaccinated. The top COVID advisor, Dr Anthony Fauci, warned the US remained in a precarious situation. In Hong Kong, almost 720,000 people have had their first dose, with over 300,000 have had their second. Twelve of Europe's top football clubs have confirmed they plan to form a breakaway Super League in defiance of European football's governing body UEFA. The clubs involved include Liverpool and Manchester City in England, Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain and Juventus and Inter Milan in Italy. Here's the BBC's Adam Wilde. There's been widespread condemnation of the proposals from European football's major governing bodies, including UEFA, the FA and the Premier League. Earlier, they issued a joint statement calling the plan cynical. They warned that those taking part could be banned from all other competitions and players could be prevented from representing their national teams. Politicians, former players and fans have also joined the condemnation. Those behind the new Super League say they hope it will start as soon as practicable and say they now want to work with UEFA and the world governing body, FIFA. Six people have been killed in the latest mass shootings in the United States. Police in Kenosha in the state of Wisconsin are searching for a gunman who opened fire at a bar, killing three people and wounding two others. Several hours later, three people were shot dead in an incident in Texas. The interim chief of the Austin Police Department, Joseph Chacon, asked people to be vigilant. What we're asking from the residents in this area is continue to shelter in place. This is still an ongoing and active investigation, and we do not have this individual in custody yet. We are concerned that he might possibly take a hostage and be himself sheltered somewhere waiting for us to leave. 
You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chivers and your co-host this Monday morning is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. More on COVID-19 today and Hong Kong in AR. The government is banning flights from India, Pakistan and the Philippines for two weeks from midnight tomorrow after the second case in the community infected with the N501Y mutant coronavirus strain. The Centre for Health Protection yesterday reported 30 new coronavirus cases with all but one imported from overseas. And the Democratic Party has urged the government to offer exemptions and alternatives for unvaccinated people when it launches its vaccine bubble plan as concerns persist over whether people would be forced to take the jabs and to such policies. What do you make of developments? Let us know your questions and your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3, email bankchat at rthk.hk or call us. And our number is 233-88266. That's 233-88266. Later, as I say, we're going to be discussing uh, an app called City in Time, newly developed by the uh, Tourism Board and the City University to recreate Hong's pa- Hong Kong's past uh, live on the street. As I say, we'll be hearing more about that uh, at the end of the programme this morning. Joining us for our first discussion, we have with us now Dr Alvin Chan, co-chair of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Uh, Association, but not in a government advisor, we should say. Uh, Dr. Henry Young, who's a former president of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union, uh, and also Benjamin Cowling. Professor Cowling is head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Once again, our email backchat at rthk.hk, uh, or you can call us on the number is 233 Dr. Chan, maybe we'll start with you. Good morning. Thanks for joining Hello. us. Um, Good morning. Who am I? Yeah, what, why is this new? You, this uh, mutant coronavirus strain, what does that mean? Why is it significant and sh- how worried should we be, do you think? Well, um, these uh, variants uh, could show uh, increased infectivity and even to the effect of the vaccines towards these mutant variants. And uh, the important thing this time is that there appear to be a community spread of this um, variant. Um, the N501Y indicates that it could be from the UK one, the B117, or the South African, the B1351, or from, in fact, uh, Brazil is uh, the uh, P1. And these all three, luckily, it seems that uh, the current uh, BioNTech and um, uh, even the Sinovac has, to some degree, um, the protection against these uh, strains. Uh, of course, uh, the protection is better for the UK variant. Uh, but however, it seems that uh, the government had, government had not yet disclosed uh, the results of the uh, genome and uh, whether it is really which one it belongs to. So um, I think this time it is lucky in a way that uh, it is because this uh, patient in fact, is a asymptomatic uh, patient. He is just returning to Dubai, and that's why he had to take another test. And then it came out to be positive, while the previous three were all negative. And then uh, so he was detected just before he leaving Hong Kong. 
And then um, it's, it's in, in, in a way then we could also then um, detect um, the, the ones who had been in contact with him. But again, this could be uh, still uh, not complete uh, contact tracing because you just can't detect anyone who had been in the same restaurant with him or sharing the escalator or elevators with him together. You cannot trace these people. You can only trace those who really had the names that he could give uh, or those people serving in the restaurants, etc. So there are loopholes in there. And I think the government needs to be very, very, very vigilant in the contact tracing this time to prevent the uh, community spread to deteriorate. Right. And, yeah, yeah, and I agree with the government's measures to uh, really... Um, um, regard those three places, Pakistan, India, and the Philippines, as the great A uh, zones that uh, any people staying there for more than two hours within the past uh, two weeks, three weeks, that uh, they could not come to Hong Kong, mm. and also to ban temporarily the flights from these three places. Yeah. But 14 days, obviously, is not enough. Probably they have to extend their labor. Dr. Chen, good morning. Um, yeah. I saw reports from Israel over the weekend a uh, very high level of uh, vaccination now, their yes. life, life coming back to normal, they're throwing away their masks. What is the reason for the vaccine reluctance here in Hong Kong? We're still in single digits? Is it 8% oh, yes. or something? Yes. What's the reason for that? Yeah, thank you, Mike, for the question. I think it's a very good question for everybody to um, reassess ourselves and for the government's uh, measures. And uh, I think um, this vaccination hesitancy has many factors uh, causing it. Um, well, I, I think, first of all, uh, the Chinese seem to be very um, prudent. And so they react very carefully to these new technologies and new vaccines to this new disease. And so they tend to sit and wait. Uh, so even some experts, they might like to wait for a better vaccine, perhaps. So um, I, I think for the ordinary citizens, they just uh, heard the news every day uh, in the past uh, two months since the end of February. There were uh, vaccinations uh, in the mass vaccination program. And uh, every day there, there are reports of those people suffering from side effects or afterwards uh, they might have some deaths after it. And then the government seems to have not yet really the prompt uh, comprehensive uh, reaction to these so-called uh, eye-catching news that, uh, in fact, uh, from the scientific point of view, the uh, daily deaths due to coronary heart disease or certain deaths due to stroke are even higher than those uh, after vaccinations. And so the government should, from the beginning, they uh, disclose these uh, the death rates in right. the society uh, in comparison to the death rates after vaccination. That might soothe the um, citizens. Can we bring in Professor Cowling at this point? Because, good morning, uh, Professor Cowling. This, this point about comparing the statistics of what's happening normally uh, with what's happening after vaccination drives is, is fundamental. I, uh, people have sent me statistics 
from North America, showing the, the point that Dr. Chan just made, that in some instances the, the incidences are lower after vaccination than they are normally. Yeah, I think you, you do have to look, though, at the types of people who are getting vaccinated compared to the rest of the population. So, for example, in Hong Kong, we're not really yet vaccinating people in elderly homes, and that's the location where uh, rates of all kinds of medical events, heart attacks, strokes, uh, and deaths as well, those rates are highest in elderly homes, and those people are not yet receiving COVID vaccines. So it's not really fair to say that among people who receive COVID vaccines in Hong Kong, Nothing much is happening. No medical events are happening afterwards. But in the population, there are, because in the population, there's, there's a lot of people living in elderly homes that are not yet getting vaccinated. So I think that that's not always a, a fair comparison. Having said that, when we look at Israel, when we look at the US, looking at medical records after people have been vaccinated, there's been no issues with the BioNTech vaccine. And you can contrast that with what's been discovered for the AstraZeneca vaccine and the Johnson Johnson vaccine with very, very rare occurrence of this particular blood clot that has been picked up. So if there was something to worry about with BioNTech, we can be reassured that it would have been picked up and it hasn't been picked up. So I think for Hong Kong, that's really reassuring. Right. This point about hesitancy that Dr. Jan and I just discussed, it's really rather striking because I would have thought people would be hammering on the doors of the community centres demanding to be vaccinated and and yet here we are. The news, which uh, we we heard just now, a trade unionist saying, "Oh, you must you must let us off. We must have special assurances uh, if we don't want to be vaccinated." What's, what's this mindset issue? I, I, it's disappointing that people aren't more enthusiastic to get vaccinated. Looking around the world, there's so many parts of the world where people are desperate to get vaccinated and can't get vaccinated because there's not the availability, not the logistics in place to do it. In Hong Kong, we have available vaccines. The appointment slots are there. They're open. They're ready to, to, to administer vaccines. I, I guess one of the biggest reasons is maybe the lack of immediate benefit. So we don't have a lot of COVID right now. So I, I can understand why people think they don't need the protection this week, this month. Maybe later they will. But right now, there's, there's really very few cases. And at the same time, the government hasn't announced very many special incentives for vaccinated people to encourage them to get vaccinated, like the re relaxation of, of uh, on-arrival quarantine in Hong Kong or, or, or other things. OK, uh, some uh, thoughts from uh, listeners. Um, one from uh, Anthony, who says, this is addressed to you, Mike, uh, in Israel, you can uh, only go out to bars and restaurants with a digital vaccination pass. While in Hong Kong, people would rather uh, use papers to record their whereabouts instead of using the leave home safe. In short, Hong Kong people are just tasting their own medicine. That's from uh, Anthony. And uh, Mike has a question or an observation. He says the most obvious answer to the Dubai patient, that's who tested positive after the, the, after the uh, uh, period of uh, quarantine, uh, is that the testing has an issue. Uh, also with this is, is Dr. Henry Young, former president of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union. Dr. Young, good morning to you. Good morning, yes. Could, could it be that the testing w failed um, during the, the, the quarantine? Would that explain what happened there? Well, actually, the, the testing for the COVID-19 in the community has been uh, doing well. But uh, people are lack of sort of uh, uh, the, the problem of uh, immediate problem of life or death. 
actually I, I was one of the victims for the for that uh, for, 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 for those uh, mandatory uh, testing for COVID uh, due to the uh, send from uh, India for the variant. I was actually in the Hamas city on the uh, uh, 11th of April. I was uh, I was going to do the test uh, in this uh, one or two days for the COVID test. Actually, uh, I I have to say about the vaccination uh, program in Hong Kong. I think uh, even for the medical professions, only 10 to 15 percent of the total uh, medical and uh, health profession have been uh, undergoing the vaccination for influenza all these years. And the reason is that uh, I, I they, they 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 don't see the threat uh, to their to to their health problem uh, even. Uh, in these years, it shows that if you got the vaccination from the influenza, you get a mighty illness when you got uh, sick with the influenza. But uh, people are, are, are usually like that. I think it's a duty of the government to boost up this vaccination against influenza and the COVID and, uh, with more incentives. Right? Just, can I, can I ask, Dr. Young, you might not have figures, but do you have an impression of how many doctors have got the COVID vaccination? Even among the friends uh, close to me, you know, the brother friends, they haven't been vaccinated yet. I think Why not? Uh, the Why vaccination not? Uh, population for the, for the medical and health profession, I think it's less than 10%, uh, even d- d- during these days. Less than 10% of doctors? Yeah, I think the government has medical- up the vaccination by some means. Okay. Otherwise, uh, even the doctors and the nurses are not going to vaccinate them. How can the total population, the general population, general population get vaccinated? Sure, but why? Why so low? Why? What you would have thought doctors and, and medical workers would be more, uh, you know, more concerned about catching the disease in the first place, more aware of the social consequences, uh, and have some sort of sense of obligation to Hong Kong as a whole. Why are they not taking a vaccine? Really, I don't know. I don't know that <laughs> okay. much. Really, uh, for me, uh, I've been I've been advocating vaccination and preventive medicine for a long, and uh, I I I have had a lot of other friends around that they 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 are just lazy fair. They don't they they are not concerned. Uh, actually, they are treating the COVID patients. Yes, they are not getting vaccinated. Yeah, yet they're not getting vaccinated. Doctor yeah. Chan, why why do you think that is? Why is there such a? Is that your? Do you agree with that? That there's a very low take up rate among uh, medical professionals, and if so, why? Well, I don't really agree with that. Uh, I, I don't see the figures, so I think that's a personal impression by Doctor Yuan, I guess. Do you, do you uh, have a personal impression? H- yeah, from the hospital authority. They said that uh, every year the uptake rate of uh, flu vaccination in the HA uh, doctors and nurses should be about 30 to 40 percent at least. Uh, so I, I don't really know uh, how, how the figures come out from uh, Dr. Yang's opinion. But then I think um, in uh, Hong Kong Medical Associations every year, um, it seems that there were um, campaigns uh, encouraging uh, doctors and nurses and the citizens to take up the flu vaccinations. And this time, I think it is a little bit different from even the flu vaccination because this is a new disease yes. and also a new technology. In phase. So people would uh, like to know that, uh, in fact, BioNTech is 
very effective. See, together with Madonna, they have a 95% uh, efficacy rate. And so the Israeli, uh, the Israelites, they are very rational, scientific-minded, and they follow the science data, and they got to the vaccination centers. And in fact, mind you, the political polarization in Israel is almost worse than that in Hong Kong, because uh, for the fourth time, their elections still could not have so uh, a clear victory. But it hasn't stopped them getting bombing. vaccinated, Dr. Chang, exactly. has it? Exactly, exactly. That's why they had put politics aside and they followed scientific data and they think you don't have to support Netanyahu, but then this idea is for the, the, the country. And so uh, 7% of the eligible population got vaccinated, while in the election, none of the uh, Two right. candidates get more than half of the votes. So I think that Sh means should we, we be making scientific data. Should we be making vaccination in Hong Kong compulsory? Well, I don't think you can. Uh, Could you for civil Israel servants? In Singapore, no countries in the world can make it compulsory because this is individual decision, individual freedom, and some people have their uh, factors, individual say, for example, health issues, other issues that they uh, don't get the vaccination. I, I think this government did not get the trust of the population from the start of the yes. uh, vaccination program. And if you make it compulsory, it would... That make it worse? Make it worse, yes, exactly. So I think more incentives is the way to go. But, but, more I think it's got to be a yeah. combination of carrot and stick. But one of the things that you both, both the doctors have said is about the contrast with flu. Now, whether or not you have a flu shot every year, I do. I think Hugh does. Um, yeah, but, I have. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's sort of yeah. a marginal benefit in the sense that if you do get the flu, you'll be less serious uh, and so on, and you're less likely to get it. But this, this COVID-19 is killing people. It's killed three million people already. Um, how many more before our own doctors and nurses take on this uh, technology and get themselves protected? Yes, in fact, the benefit definitely outweighs the uh, risk. But then I, I guess the, in Hong Kong, the epidemic or the pandemic had never been to a state that is really scary to the people. It just makes people inconvenient, but not yet scary because, say, now only about uh, 12 or 13 thousand people get infected and out of that only 200 and something had died from it and mostly uh, with chronic diseases and so ordinary citizens didn't feel the urge and that is true but in Israel or in other places in Singapore uh, people just they, they, they go to the vaccination centers I think first they have followed the scientific data and I urge that the um, Hong Kong people should put aside the uh, distrust of the government and put aside the political difference and really follow scientific data. It's good for the people and really uh, don't just listen to the rumors or the knee-jerk reaction to some deaths after the vaccination, which, of course, we need to be careful. But um, all over the world, uh, in Israel, say, two-thirds of the population had got eligible population had got uh, vaccinated and yet there are no significant uh, side effects or deaths that's worth mentioning in, mm. in the news. 
All right. So we, we, okay, we heard an email from uh, this is from again from Anthony. Uh, this is addressed to uh, Doctor Young and to uh, Doctor Chan. But maybe Doctor Young, if you want to do this one, uh, uh, Anthony says, as the medical professionals see no threat of COVID nineteen, then why bother wearing a mask and taking temperatures when entering a shop? That's from uh, Anthony. Doctor Young, is that what the medical professionals do? They see no threat from COVID nineteen. Is that why the the vaccination rate is so low? I really don't know. I really don't know the, the, the real reasons behind it. Sometimes uh, they, 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 they would think that the very much uh, doing a, a self-protective measures that's good enough, but, uh, rather than invasive measures like a vaccination. Uh, they may, they may have to worry about the side effects of these vaccines uh, that's been uh, known to the to, to, to the world. Yeah, and that's why some of the doctors. So you think that's a, that's, a, that's a way to go that we can uh, push up the vaccination among the general profession, the new population, if the medical health profession can really uh, do, do a good job for that. All right. Um, a, a couple of more comments. This is from John. Um, perhaps uh, Professor Cowling, if you'd like to address these. Uh, John uh, also says, I've been reading work done by scientists, including Nobel receivers, that studies show that the vaccine will help the mu virus to mutate and become stronger. On a normal situation, the virus will lose strength over, over time, the strength, but with vaccine will mutate. What is your opinion on this, and why does the vaccine mutate so quickly? That's from John. Professor Cowling? Yeah, so sometimes there is scientific research published by Nobel laureates, but not necessarily in um, public health, in epidemiology and medical research. Uh, there's some particularly famous Nobel Prize winners in economics, who've been publishing a lot of work on COVID-19 without really understanding what they're talking about. Um, now, to address the specific point, we need vaccination because we can't keep the social distancing going forever. We have to find a way out of this. And at the same time, we can't allow lots and lots and lots of people to be infected because we've seen what happens uh, when there's lots and lots of infections. In Hong Kong, we've done very well in the past year, kept numbers of cases to 11,000 so far. Um, and in other parts of the world, we've seen what happened when they get uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of infections. There's a lot of health impact, not only with the initial hospitalizations and deaths, but also long COVID. Now, as to the longer term issue of whether having a high vaccination coverage in different parts of the world will promote vaccine, uh, sorry, will promote virus evolution, that's possible. Uh, and also, so would also having a lot of natural infections. Most likely the UK variant, the South Africa variant, the Brazil variant, all evolved because of the pressure from natural immunity, not vaccine immunity. So it's true in the future, there may be strains of the virus that emerge which can escape from the vaccines that we're currently using. And in the future, down the line, maybe three, four, five, ten years time, we'll need another vaccine to cover that. But right now, vaccines is the tool we have available to go back to normal. So we can relax social distancing, we can relax quarantine, we don't need to wear masks anymore. But that's 
going to require higher vaccine coverage. All right. And another comment yeah. from, from, from John, uh, just, who says 3 million people died of COVID, while 20 million died of cancer. So is COVID the problem? Let's also remember 98% of people with COVID will fully recover, many without ever going to hospital. So for 2%, we're creating all this. Let's also make clear that vaccines uh, uh, have not been approved. They're simply authorised. And there is a major difference between authorised medication and an approved one. That's from John. Dr Chan, did you want to say something? Yes, thank you. I think uh, in the Philippines or in Brazil or in Japan, there have been mutant variants that appeared in those places where the vaccination rate was very low, uh, even perhaps lower than that in Hong Kong. So I think uh, the mutants uh, have appeared naturally rather than because of the vaccination, uh, according to, uh, I think, according to the scientific ob uh, observation. And I think if there were incentives for the um, uh, vaccination, we can look at America. Say, in the flu vaccinations, they almost uh, like to have the, um, all the authorities or employers would ask the doctors and nurses to get flu vaccinations before they could have the uh, insurance recompensation. Re so I think, um, say, in the old age home as well, the staff of old age homes have to get the vaccination for flu as well as COVID-19 if they want to serve the elderly people. So I think this linkage to the employment for those high-risk groups is okay. okay. So whether doctors or nurses need that, I think that depends on uh, the survey right. from the government. Well, we say, we say thank you very much indeed to uh, Dr Alvin Chan, co-chair of the Advisory Committee on Communicable Diseases, the Medical Association, and Dr Henry Young. Thank you very much indeed, Dr Young, who's former president of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union. Professor Cowling will stay with us uh, after the news at uh, nine. Later, as I say, we're going to be hearing about uh, an interesting app bringing history to life. The weather, sunny intervals with temperatures up to 24 degrees. Today, 22 degrees. The latest readings, relative humidity is now at 66 we are concerned that he might possibly take a hostage and be himself sheltered somewhere waiting for us to leave. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're joined now by Professor Benjamin Cowling, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of uh, Hong Kong. Later, we're going to be hearing about uh, uh, an interesting uh, new app bringing Hong Kong to life in augmented reality. Uh, more on that. First of all, uh, on uh, COVID-19 issues, a lot of emails on this. So let's get straight into it with uh, Professor Cowling. Um, Okay, uh, Jay says, I thought when watching one of the government ads, I saw people using nasal sprays. So what's the story with that now? Many of us are waiting to see the political outcome of travelling to Europe so that we get the right vaccine. Plus, we have these mutations coming out. That comes from Jay. The nasal sprays? I don't remember that. Yeah. Professor Cowling, do you know anything about that? For no, is that I for treatment? Sticks no. up the nose. That's the, there's a testing, the isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jay also says is Hong Kong very special because everyone wears a mask, which keeps the virus uh, in uh, if you have it. Uh, John. Uh, who uh, emailed earlier, also says that on the Israeli vaccination, the doctor talks about scientific data. Great, all producers are giving the vaccine cover for a maximum of six months. So we will see where Israel will be by December. That is uh, from 
uh, John. Anthony says, hi, guests. Why in Canada the vaccination is so low, despite being the first few nations starting the vaccination programme? Uh, question mark. Uh, Eve says, a question for Professor Cowling. First, any data available on whether mRNA vaccine is safe for patients with autoimmune and rheumatic diseases? And second, is there any advisory for people taking immunosuppressants or immunotherapy? Do they take the COVID vaccine? And if yes, uh, which one? That comes uh, from Eve. For the counting, I should stress it's not a medical doctor, yep. but is a yeah, yep. uh, epidemiologist. Any any thoughts on that? For John's comment first, which is just oh, just slipped my mind. Sorry for the for the second comment uh, on the autoimmune diseases. I think better to see your doctor before deciding whether to get vaccinated. And for people taking immunosuppressive medication, we know the vaccine probably won't work as well. So you can still get vaccinated, but be careful because we know vaccines don't work as well in people who are on immunosuppressive medication. What was John's comment, sorry? Oh, you got me there. Hang on. Uh, John's had quite a lot of comments. Uh, John's (laughs) most recent one was about Israel. Um, Yeah. So so, so what will happen in six months' time? He said it's it's, it's not maximum six months, it's minimum six months. And the reason it's minimum six months, not minimum 12 or or longer, is because we've only been looking at people who've been vaccinated for six months. So we can be confident now that the protection lasts for at least six months. My suspicion is it's going to last for years. But we can't say that now because people haven't been vaccinated for that long. So that's why, for now, experts are just saying, that the, the researchers are just saying it definitely works for at least six months. It's not maximum, it's minimum six months. Okay. All right, uh, a comment from, from Phil B. It's just the subject line, and it's the subject line is, I recently spent a week in a government hospital, and it was clear that most staff, including the put, and there my my <laughs> email system runs out. So I, can you put that in the text in somewhere else, Philip? Otherwise, I, otherwise we won't know what... Oh, there we go. Okay, hang on, if I hover there. All right. The subject line, I recently spent a week in a government hospital. It was clear that most staff, including the professionals, were obviously yellow. That is why they will not take the vaccine. Shocking. That comes from Phil. Oh, political. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Nicola also says it's political uh, and attaches a story from The uh, Economist magazine, uh, which has the headline, China presses Hong Kongers to accept a Chinese vaccine. That comes uh, from, as I say, from uh, Nicola. All right. Our number is 233-88266. We've got, we got a caller on the line. I think it's Mike again. Mike, good morning. Mike again. You never answered my question about the problem. Could have been with a Dubai patient. Could have been the testing. He tested negative, but he could have been positive at the time. That's the most obvious answer. But when you asked the question, it morphed into something else, and nobody ever answered the question. Okay, uh, Pascal, right. any, any thoughts? Yeah, yeah. so so we know tests are not 100%, but the PCR tests used to people arriving in Hong Kong are very, very accurate. So I'd yes, be surprised if it was an issue with the test. My suspicion, actually my hypothesis, is that this particular case may have been infected after arrival in Hong Kong, and I would like to know what the virus sequence is like and how it compares to the other people that stayed in the same quarantine hotel, particularly on the same floor, because I would, uh, I would like to, to test the hypothesis 
I would like the hypothesis to be tested that this case was infected in the quarantine hotel. But as Professor K.Y. Yoon said, another possibility is that he was infected in the community after leaving the quarantine hotel because there was an eight-day window. Um, and if that is the explanation, that's even more concerning because that means there's maybe other infections with this variant in the community that we don't know about. So far, we've just heard about this case and the, the linked case um, could reported today. Could, could Dr. Cowling please explain to us, because the latest 100,000 patient study has just come out, and could you explain to us the difference between the absolute risk reduction and the relative risk reduction? And may I add that uh, effectiveness is verbiage that has been changed. Scientists talk about absolute risk redu reduction and relative risk reduction. Yeah, so the, the vaccine effectiveness is based on a relative risk reduction at different That's exactly right. That's risk. exactly right. Explain to us why, why relative risk reduction is really kind of a without talking about absolute risk reduction, why just the number relative risk reduction isn't really a true picture of what's happening. The, the reason that we talk about relative risk is because that's what we can compare between different places, between Israel, between uh, the U.S., between Europe. That is not true. That's not true. That's not correct. In fact, the FDA guidelines say that if you, if you say one, you have to tell both. And if you explain the reason, and if you explain what really relative risk reduction is, people would really be surprised. I'll give you an example. So 200 patients, 100 patients has the placebo, 100 patients gets the jab. Two patients that get the jab, or one patient that gets the jab, gets COVID, and two patients that don't get the jab get COVID. That is a relative risk reduction of 100%, and the absolute risk reduction is about 1%. So it's a 50% relative reduction from 2% to 1%. To 2% to 1%, 100%. Right. It's 50%. Uh, well, so, no, two to one, it's a 100% difference. But anyway, the, so the, the, the math is, but the absolute risk reduction is only 1%. But we are not right. given the absolute okay, risk okay, reduction. Let, let me explain why we do it this way, because what we're imagining is if time was allowed to proceed on, or if it was a large group of people, the incidence would continue going up and up and up. So instead of being 2% versus 1%, as a bit longer time goes on, it goes to 4% versus 2%, and then 8% versus 4%, and then 60% versus 8%. The, the ratio stays word. the same, and the numbers get larger. Because know, with an infection first, like COVID, it keeps spreading. Your first word was telling, and the first word is imagine. We can imagine that. Right, but Mike, Mike, okay, so in the clinical trials, when they've looked at COVID vaccines, after they see 2% versus, it's actually much lower than 1%, it's 2% uh, in the control arm for BioNTech and about 0.001% or something, 0.1% in the, in the vaccine arm. After they've observed that and shown the BioNTech vaccine works, it's no longer possible to keep the placebo arm as a placebo arm because you know that the BioNTech
the numbers where they sh- where they shouldn't be. The reason why I say that is those people that are in control and those people that are taking, uh, they aren't subjected to anything. They just walk. They just walk through their normal life, and they could, in bad luck, man, they could run into some COVID. Or good luck, they don't. They don't have COVID. The people are not given uh, a COVID exposure because that's against the law. They're not given a COVID exposure to see how effective or how what the risk reduction is by the injection. They're, they just walk their own, their normal life because. If they were given the exposure, that would be a real test. But that's illegal. You can't do that. Mike, 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 can I, sorry, Mike, can I clarify? So your complaint is that when you you say that people uh, have this reduced risk, you your 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 complaint is that it's misleading to say that this is it's a reduced risk compared to somebody who doesn't have the virus, doesn't have the uh, vaccine. No, what I'm saying is. The reduced risk should be given, and, and the FDA mandates this, that the absolute risk reduction and the relative risk reduction have two different numbers, and both of those numbers should be given so that you can uh, ascertain uh, 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 what's, what's taking place. But we're not giving both numbers. We're only giving the best number. And the best number is the relative risk reduction. And that relative risk reduction without the absolute risk reduction is a meaningless number. But we're thrown out this. Now we add a no, number. No, it's not a meaningless number. Why is it a meaningless number? It's because you don't know, you don't know how, how heavy the... Um, it's, it gets technical, but it, it's, it's how shallow the study is. And if, the, and if the study is very shallow, this risk, the relative risk reduction, is a meaningless number. And this is, this is why the FDA mandates that both numbers should be given. But isn't that affected by the fact that we've now had millions of people who've been vaccinated and gone about their normal life compared to millions of others? So we're not dealing with small, relatively small groups. You can talk about these things. Exactly right. But we've got millions of people that have gone through COVID that don't even know they've had COVID. Okay. Uh, Mike, all right. Thanks very much indeed for your call. Uh, 233-88266 is our number. I think we've got another caller. We've got Guy now. Guy, good morning. Yes, good morning. I couldn't understand what Mike was going on about. The fact remains, surely, that there is a a link between the increasing levels of vaccination, take the UK and Israel, and the drastically falling new cases of COVID. Anyway, what I was calling about was the fact that if you want to encourage people <clears throat> to take BioNTech, um, then the, we've talked a lot about um, carrots, but we haven't talked about sticks. And I... I've watched uh, a lot of the UK news in the last year, and they have been very um, keen to show the effects of COVID in uh, ICU wards with the permission of the patients, some of whom have died with the family has given permission to show the true horrible effects of the disease. And Hong Kong, to my knowledge, has not done that. Um, and I think they should bring it home that if you're unlucky enough to catch this horrible virus, that's what could happen to you. So 
So get vaccinated. Okay, Guy, many, many thanks for your, for your, for your comment. Yeah, 233 uh, is our number. Uh, Jay says, is the mutant based on different types of diets that you eat around the world? Um, Mark says, really bored with the airtime being given to Mike. He talks over experts. He talks over anyone who disagrees with him. Uh, I don't agree with censorship, but the nonsense he comes out with does not merit him being given so much airtime. Uh, Carolyn says, uh, this is addressed to Mike, uh, when receiving our most our recent vaccine at our local hospital, we asked the nurses if they'd been vaccinated. They giggled and said no. Given vaccines are the only way out of this terrible situation and we cannot keep COVID out of Hong Kong forever, then everyone has the duty to get vaccinated and medical professionals should be helping us lead the way. It's such a disappointment that they appear to be telling people to wait and uh, not taking it themselves. They ask us to take all the other vaccines, even new ones like HPV, lots of noise about side effects, and do not say it's bad for us. In fact, they actively push these for our children. Yes, but we yes, we need effective vaccines, but we have one. It's called BioNTech. Take it and stop vaccine nationalism too. That comes uh, from uh, Carolyn. John says, uh, this is a response to uh, Professor Cowling, I love how a doctor, he's not a doctor, well, he's a PhD, but he's not a medical doctor, I love how a doctor thinks the vaccine will last more than six months. We're talking about science, not thinking. If you read the website of the producers, they're clearly writing protection guarantee for six months, not minimum six months. Yours are purely speculation, not facts. That's uh, from John and uh, Jim. Has, I think, that if we should, be, yeah. to be fair... The, Professor Cowling's explanation was quite simple. We've only been vaccinating pe people in large numbers for six months. We can't, we can't go, we can't set promise beyond that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, John, this is a different John, uh, who says, clearly the world is missing a great opportunity. QAnon Mike has fantastic, unbelievable, awesome, but well-hidden expertise in epidemiology. He's far too sophisticated for a morning radio audience. Please, Mike, take your fake analyses and statistical criticism to a graduate school of public health, get a degree, and then come back and waste everyone's time. That comes uh, from uh, another John. I think you had a final question maybe about... Chilly. I did, uh, Professor Cowling. Um, I saw numbers over the weekend that suggested uh, from Chile that maybe the Sinovac was more effective than the first uh, numbers seemed to show. They're talking about 65, something like that? Well, the, the quote is 67% effective in preventing symptomatic infection. Uh, what does that mean? So when, when we first start looking at vaccines, they'll, they'll undergo clinical trials done in very careful conditions with randomized allocation of some people to get the vaccine, some people to get the placebo, and we can be very confident that the results reflect how well the vaccine works. After that, when it started to be used in populations, we'll observe what happens and then try and compare people that got vaccinated with people that didn't. But once we start doing that, there's a lot of potential biases, a lot of potential issues. So we've heard about an enormous range of effectiveness of of different vaccines. I heard about 3% for, for one of the vaccines uh, recently, and then now we've heard about 67%. I think in the coming weeks we'll have a, an enormous spectrum of estimates, anything from 0% to 100%, and we need to be careful because right. there can be a lot of issues, a lot of biases in these kind of studies. I think for now we'll trust the clinical trials, and then as time goes on we'll look at a range of studies, look at all the available information, not just pick one study at a time and say... 67, in this case, 67% is not an update of, of 
whatever we heard before from clinical trials is just one of a, a lot of estimates that are going to come out in the coming weeks that we need to look at together. Uh, okay, uh, a couple more comments. Uh, just back on the subject of Mike. Um, the other Mike. The yeah. other Mike, not you. Um, uh, MT says, Mike says that, quote, millions of people have had COVID but don't know it. How does Mike know something that each of these individuals does not know? Um, and uh, CW says, can you please stop Mike ambushing the program? He talks nonsense. Um, and uh, James also says... Uh, you give far too much airtime to the incomparable caller Mike than your expert guests. Why? Other callers and emails lose out. We are desperate for information. Um, are we try just because Mike calls in, uh, <laughs> James, uh, and he he has questions, and we hope that the experts can um, uh, solve the uh, solve the answers. And I, I think the experts uh, have uh, extremely uh, relevant uh, experience. Professor Cowling uh, is an expert um, in uh, biostatistics. This is bang on his area so i think we should listen to to what he says on uh, on these uh, on these issues uh but uh, henry uh, i'm sorry but mike is very welcome to uh, come in and put these questions and his concerns uh to them as is anyone else uh, who would like to uh, join the discussion uh one more or a couple more comments here uh just come in james says i haven't had my jab yet is it wrong to wait which vaccine should i take i'm deeply suspicious of the efficacy of the chinese vaccine i no longer trust anything the government says some friends have been fine others sick for several days that comes uh, from james and uh, john and this is another john says is not vaccination for infants compulsory why not for adults and uh, then has some uh, links about uh, sanitize which has demonstrated the effectiveness of its nose formulation in eradicating different kinds of virus sorry i don't know what that, that what that is about um yeah, I'd have to look into that a little bit more. In the meantime, um, Professor Cowling, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, ben Cowling is uh, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the School of Public Health at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. And thank you uh, one and all to uh, everyone who put uh, questions and uh, comments today. I hope we were able to uh, answer as many as possible. And that includes Mike as well, who's welcome to call in and comment anytime. Uh, and, he likes. and people who complain about him should call in. Yes. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, finally, uh, today we wanted to uh, turn to uh, an interesting uh, initiative, uh, a new app that has uh, been launched uh, by uh, with uh, collaboration from the Tourism Board and uh, City University. Um, the uh, it's called City in Time. It's an augmented reality tourism uh, project. Tell us uh, more about it. Is a person who uh, who uh, came up with the idea, Jeffrey Shaw, who's the uh, Yunkin Man Chair Professorship in uh, Media Art in the School of Creative Media at the uh, City University. Uh, Professor Shaw, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Hi, thanks very much indeed for, for joining us. OK, so City in Time, how would you describe how it, what it is, how it works? Well, it's, it's an app and you use your um, mobile phone or you can use a tablet. Um, but generally people will use a mobile phone. And at specific locations all over Hong Kong, you can actually view 360-degree panoramic views of how Hong Kong looked in the past. And uh, we've identified certain moments in history. We've created uh, panoramic views of what Hong Kong looked at, that moment, at those moments in time. 
And if you stand on a specific location, you can see exactly how it looked from the, at that location uh, all around you by just moving, you know, looking at your uh, mobile device screen and just turning around all 360 degrees. How long ago? Uh, 50 years, 100 years? Uh, it varies because um, we've chosen specific times uh, at specific locations where there is, let's say, a historical significance and uh, it spans over, it spans 100 years. So it can be the 50s, it can be the 30s, right. it can be the beginning of the century. That's good, because I'm thinking along Queen's Road East uh, used to be waterfront, didn't it? Things like that. Absolutely, and uh, <laughs> actually we had a problem because, you know, you're standing on land and you're looking around, you know, at water. So uh, we actually had to create a sort of a fake um, boat. So when you're standing on land, but in the virtual world, when you're looking around, you're actually standing on a boat in the middle of the water, in the middle of the harbour. <laughs> Where, which spots have you chosen? I guess, you know, there are spots around Central which are kind of obvious, but where else have you, are you doing this? Uh, so Chinchatsui, Central, um, and um, uh, also, well, in fact, all, uh, all the, let's say, the, the really significant places where there, there are um, historical significances. Mm -hmm. can, we, can we see a list of the, the places that you chose on the website? Yes, you can, indeed. And actually, we have uh, an opportunity for people to not only view these locations uh, on-site, uh, but also there is a website. Uh, these are for people who are not in Hong Kong, who are overseas. So actually, anybody anywhere in the world can access this, uh, this, app, this application and can just, you know, touch on, on different places on, on, on a map of Hong Kong and, uh, and view these uh, historical panoramas. But, but the real experience is standing there, isn't it, I guess, is standing there and, yeah, and using your phone to look really around cool. and, and, and see yeah. where the buildings were. What, what was yeah. the origin and of the idea? Who came up with it? Thought it would be an interesting thing to do. Well, actually, the whole notion of, of, you know, of augmented reality, which is you know, being able to, to create... Uh, virtual virtual images, which are, you know, what you could say floating in the real world, or to create a, uh, a hybrid space of, you know, real and virtual. It's been around for a while, and actually a number of experiments have been done to sort of uh, um, visualize historical sites in the city. But these have tended to be short-term uh, experimental projects. And I think ours is the first time ever that we've really sort of made it a... Um, a sort of full-blown um, um, app that everybody has access to and which is going to be in place, I think, for, for quite a... Well, could be there permanently, quite honestly. And um, so... But it was definitely uh, uh, an initiative of the Truist Commission wanting to, to bring, uh, let's say, a smart city technology uh, to Hong Kong and also wanting to, to promote Hong Kong uh, as a... As a hotspot for tourism, and, and also the recognition that Hong Kong has this fantastic history of transformations, which are, are really extraordinary. Um, and then in discussion I had with them, uh, it became clear that, you know, an augmented reality app that would reveal Hong Kong's past in this way would be uh, one of the best things we could be doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and also giving it this, this mass accessibility because everybody's, pretty much everybody's got a smartphone these days 
and uh, we've tested our app on about 20 different variations of smartphones to make sure it's robust. Right. Can we take it up a level uh, in future and have headsets and, and and you're wearing a sort of helmet and you can you feel as though you're yeah. in it rather than just looking at a well, picture on your phone? Look, um, it's of course, you can run this on a headset, actually, Um the thing is that people are not walking, you know, visitors to Hong Kong are not walking around with headsets in their pocket. Right. So in the future, they may become very compact and it may be feasible to think so. Um, but actually, I like, uh, you know, using a headset is, say, virtual reality. So you're completely immersed, let's say, in a virtual space. Right. But the nice thing about augmented reality is that you can compare the past with the present. So you can... You've got your mobile device in front of you. You've got a window into the past. But all around you, you've got the present. And you can make that comparison very, very accurately because the virtual uh, representation of the past is exactly matched to where you're standing in the present. So if you look in a certain direction, you're looking exactly at that direction in the, in the, uh, in the historical representation. Right. We, put, we put a lot of effort into that, into actually making the, the spatial alignment of past and present perfect, right? And if you wear goggles, you, know, you, you won't you know, have the pleasure of experiencing that, right. that comparison. Got it. Okay. Well, Professor Shaw, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Best of luck with the... I've, I've got the app on my phone. I can't okay. wait to try it out, actually. It's quite intriguing. Uh, Professor Shaw, thank you very much indeed. Jeffrey Shaw there, who's the Yankin Man Chair Professor uh, in Media Art at the School of Creative Media at the uh, City University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, let's, uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, emails to uh, finish off. Uh, one more uh, on the subject of Mike. Uh, who says, uh, please stop Mike ambushing the programme. He talks nonsense. That's from uh, CW. And uh, one from, this is from uh, Vic, uh, who says, we need to discuss the crocodile tears being shed by Britain and its leaders in relation to Democrats being jailed. Do they remember jailing the Mahatma during the freedom struggle? We should never forget the atrocities during the British Raj. They hold no moral high ground. Please try and organise a back chat in this relation. That comes uh, from Vic. Thanks very much indeed for that uh, observation. Uh, Mike, thank you very much indeed. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Okay. Save us all. <laughs> Got your message across. Uh, the weather, sunny intervals with temperatures up to about 24 degrees. The outlook mainly fine in the middle and latter parts of the week. There's a strong monsoon signal now, 22 Celsius, and relative humidity is at 66%. No matter how fit we are, it is important to get vaccinated to prevent COVID-19. All along, we have received different vaccines to prevent infections. Vaccines will help create antibodies and memory in our immune system. When we come into contact with viruses in future, our immune system will quickly resist them. It is the simplest and most effective method to protect ourselves and others. Let's get vaccinated. 9.32, the news now with Samantha Butler. Medicine says arrivals from India, Pakistan and the Philippines should be banned altogether until the coronavirus situation improves in those places. The government has announced a two-week ban on flights from the three countries after confirming two cases here of a highly infectious mutant strain. Leung Chi Chu says by comparison, flights from the UK were banned for almost five months to prevent a variant from there entering Hong Kong. 
Medical experts say the government should do more to reassure the public about the safety of coronavirus vaccines to boost the take-up rate. In Hong Kong, 5.7% of eligible people are fully vaccinated. Professor Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong says medical records from Israel and the United States show there have been no issues with the BioNTech vaccine. And 12 of Europe's top football clubs have confirmed they plan to form a breakaway Super League in defiance of European football's governing body UEFA. The clubs involved include Liverpool and Manchester City in England, Real Madrid and Barcelona in Spain and Juventus and Inter Milan in Italy. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning to you and welcome to Monday. Brand new week here on The Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. Well, we're going to kick off in earnest at 10.10, as always, with Robbie McRobbie's history-making, high-level, luxury, of course, rugby report. After 10.30, our New York correspondent Tracy Kwan would like to talk about Assassins, actually the wonderful Stephen Sondheim musical, and one of the most brilliant what-ifs ever. Stick around for that. After 11.30, going to meet Canadian opera star mezzo-soprano Carolyn Sproul, who's going to be playing the title role in Opera Hong Kong's upcoming production of Carmen. Probably the most famous opera out there. 12.10, we're going to hit Vietnam and catch up with our Bureau Chief at Large, Neil Runciman. Join us on and off on Facebook Live this morning.